and I'd also like to say thank you to everybody who's contributed gifts. Um, some of them are here on the table, others have been um, delivered to Perry Street. Uh, thank you for doing that on top of, on top of giving. It's, you know, generosity is, is appreciated and it's a blessing to those children that will receive those gifts. It's, it's, it's nice, isn't it, sometimes to actually um, give something tangible, actually go out and buy a gift for a child and, uh, and know that on Christmas morning, a child who has very little in the world will receive a present and they'll have that excitement, that moment of anticipation and then they'll open it and they will know that someone, a stranger, has gone out and bought them that gift specifically um, and that there are strangers in the world who don't come with menace or threat but instead come with love and charity. So that is good. So I'm going to pray for a blessing on these gifts and a blessing on, these, um, on the work of everybody involved in London City Mission. Let's bow our heads. <coughs> Heavenly Father, so often we hear that it is better to give than it is to receive. And Father, we know that we have received everything that we have from you because you are a God that loves to give. And Father, we, we give thanks that we can follow that example. Lord, thank you that we are privileged that we are, we are so fortunate to live in the area that we do, to have the, the lives that we have, even though sometimes it might, it might feel that things get on top of us. Father, help us to remember that we should never, ever take for granted what we have. That we should never take for granted the homes we have, the jobs we have, the loved ones we have, the friends, the family, the church that we have the hope that we have in you. Father, there are so many people who have so little. And Lord, we pray this morning for your blessing upon everybody involved in the work of London City Mission. We give thanks for, for the work that they do, for the time and the energy that they put in, for the initiatives that are set up, often in the face of adversity. Father, thank you for their perseverance and for their faith. And Lord, we pray now for your blessing also upon these gifts in these bags and the gifts that have been given, whether it's through, through Perry Street, through here at South Green or in other ways as well. Father, we, we, we pray for the recipients. We pray for the children who are going to have that, that moment of excitement and joy as they open a present. Father, may that excitement and joy come in your name. Father, we pray it will come with your blessing. We pray it will come with your power and that it will come with a seed of faith that will be planted in them. They know that, that someone, a stranger, a Christian stranger, <coughs> has, has thought about them, has gone out and bought them that gift so that they may know you. Father, we pray for your blessing and power to fall upon these gifts and to accompany them wherever they go. In Jesus' name, Amen. <coughs> it was interesting that um, Carol spoke about the mother, the lady with, with five sons who's desperately trying to claw them away from a life of addiction and danger. It's often a mother's lot, isn't it, to, um, to worry and to, to look at children and never, never stop seeing them as a child, no matter how old they get. 
And, uh, and we often say on Mother's Day, don't we, that actually the role of a mother is a very special role. There's that, there's that bond that, that no one else can have, not even, not even the father can have, um, because it's, it, it's, it's born in the womb. It's the physical, the physical bond, the umbilical bond that is there right from the beginning. There is that closeness when, um, when a baby is newborn and the mother holds it. And they say that the, the, the baby's body, I remember a midwife telling me when, when we had our, our son, um, the baby's body regulates its temperature from the mother. If the mother is particularly warm, the baby lift, uh, raises its own temperature. If the, if the mother is, is a, a, a good temperature, the baby adjusts accordingly. The heartbeat as well. Even after the umbilical cord has been cut, the heartbeat is still, it still modifies the heartbeat of the baby, the mother's heartbeat. There is this really close bond that, of course, the, the, the feeding and, and everything that goes with it, the, the maternal bond is so strong. It is so important. I learnt very early on as a father not to doubt the maternal bond. There were several occasions where Joe was adamant that she was right. And normally when she's adamant that she's right, she is. She's a pretty good judge of character. That's why, that's why I love her. That's why I'm married to her. Um, but of course, um, there are times where I don't agree. There are times when I think, no, I don't think you've read that one correctly. Um, but every time throughout our son's life that she's made a decision and she said, this is the right thing to do, I learned very early on not to doubt, not to, not to kick against because the maternal instinct was so strong. I say this because this morning... As we approach Christmas, we read about the Annunciation of Mary. We read about the lady or girl that God selected to have that umbilical link to Jesus. The lady that God selected to hold him to regulate his heartbeat and his temperature, to feed, to nurture, to protect, to love. It's a pretty big job. If Mary hadn't been a good mother, Jesus would still have been Jesus. But he might have been in danger at certain times. He might not have been looked after at certain times. But instead... Mary was a dedicated, loving and faithful mother. But of course, life wasn't straightforward for Mary. Because we're not sure how old she was when when this event took place. Some scholars say that she could have been as young as 13. Others say older. But in a society which had very strict laws around this sort of thing, she suddenly found herself unmarried, but with child. So we're going to read the passage and then we're going to look a bit we're going to look at Mary's character see what we can learn from Mary as a mother but as a faithful follower of God. So we're reading from the book of Luke chapter 1 starting at verse 26. Luke chapter 1 starting at verse 26. 
In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Even as he said to our fathers, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. When we read this passage, there's there's a real challenge there. Because Mary lived in a society where she could have been put to death to be found unmarried and pregnant. She must have been terrified 
when she first discovered she was pregnant. She must have been absolutely mortified. It must have seemed so unfair to be in that position. And yet, not having done anything wrong. She must have felt so lonely not being able to to share with people, not being able to confide in people. They didn't have have counsellors that you could go to quietly and seek help. It was a very judgmental society. It was a very, um, very strict society that she lived in. We read, don't we, in, in the Torah, the first, the first five books of the Old Testament where the law is given, it says in no uncertain terms what should happen, that the laws are set out word by word. The punishments are made clear. And yet Mary has such strong faith that she doesn't She doesn't fear. She doesn't react negatively. She doesn't have a breakdown or or go go and quietly have an abortion or anything like that. Instead, she reacts joyfully. Now, of course, there's two reasons for that. The main one being that she goes to see, that, that she gets visited by the angel Gabriel. Now, I can't honestly say that I've ever knowingly seen an angel. There's been a couple of times where strangers have have been incredibly helpful and and said the right thing or done the right thing at exactly the right time and then disappeared and I've been left thinking, who is that? Where are they? I want to thank them. What what just happened? And I know many people have have had that sort of experience. But of course a non-Christian would say, that doesn't mean it's an angel. There's plenty of good people around. It doesn't mean they're angels and they're right. This isn't just any angel, this is the angel Gabriel. We, we have a name for this angel. Sometimes in scripture we're told that an angel of the Lord went and we're not quite sure, we're not quite sure what that means, how that angel would have manifested itself, how that, how that message would have been communicated. But here, there is a name. God sends the angel to Mary. Mary and Joseph are already engaged, they're pledged to be married, but they're not quite married. There is no way that they can, that they can cover this up. But as soon as Mary ha- begins, to, begins to fear, and uh, have, that, have that little doubt, it's immediately snuffed out. The angel says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And so from that point on, Mary isn't. Mary has that faith. She's told the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so she listens to the angel. She accepts what the angel says. She accepts that she has to have faith. And she does. Which is staggering given the circumstances. Given the fact that she knows that she could be dragged out of her home and and stoned to death under law. Now, as we said last week, some of the more severe laws that were set down in the Torah weren't, as far as we know, there isn't any evidence to suggest that they were ever actually carried out because despite what we read in the Torah, God has always been a God of forgiveness, a God of reconciliation, a God of love. 
And so those laws with the, with the really harsh punishments were actually, that they were given as a, as a demonstration to us of just how, how hurtful they are to God when, when we commit them. Having said that, of course, when we see um, Jesus confronted by the woman who was um, caught in adultery, the Pharisees were all for stoning her to death. So maybe on occasion, this was practised. And if Mary had said, don't worry, you don't need to stone me to death because God told me it's okay. Can you imagine the, the blasphemy? I mean, that, that, would be, that would be unthinkable for the Pharisees to hear that. They would have, they would have wanted to, to stone her to death and then stone her again. And so God gives her evidence. Even Elizabeth, says the angel, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. So the angel says, you know your cousin, she's, she's, she's old. She's, she's past childbearing age. And in fact, she, she, she's barren. Been trying for years to have children. No children. You know her? Yeah? Right. She's in her sixth month of pregnancy. You can imagine Mary, oh, don't be ridiculous. No way. There is no way that that can happen. There is no way. She's she's getting on. She's past it. And anyway, she wanted that desperately for years and years and years and it never happened. The angel says, nothing is impossible with God. And so Mary goes on her journey. The angel hasn't told her to go on the journey, but Mary wants to check it out. Mary may have had, may have had a bit of doubt, she may have had a bit of, bit of worry, and she may have thought, okay, fine, I'll go and test that. Six months, it'll be pretty clear. I want to go and see Elizabeth. So she gets on her donkey, or, or, or whatever mode of transport she, she had, may have walked, we don't know, but she, she went to the hill country in Judea. She enters Zechariah's home, and she greets Elizabeth. And six months into pregnancy, she would have seen pretty quickly that what the angel had said was true. At the end of that passage, we're told that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So she arrived after six months of pregnancy, the sixth month of pregnancy. She left after three months. So she may well have been there for the birth of John the Baptist, Mary's child. We don't know that for sure, but the maths is there. She arrived after six months, stayed for three, so she left after nine months. It's entirely possible that Mary actually stayed to witness, to make sure that what the angel said was true, to make sure that actually this wasn't wasn't a, a, a tumour or something growing inside, that this was actually pregnancy, this was actually happening, this was a miracle, as the angel had foretold. As I say, we we don't know that for sure. But it is entirely possible, certainly, if she wasn't there for the birth, she left not long before it actually happened. When Mary sees Elizabeth, Elizabeth recognises in Mary that the message that she's been given has also been fulfilled. This meeting is, for both of them, a fulfilment of what their, 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 their angels have told them. 
Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Even before Jesus identified himself as a son of God, Elizabeth recognises who he was going to be. Even before he was born, she recognises the significance of the babe growing in Mary's womb. Mary's response. Mary's song. It's one of these passages in scripture that we don't often read at Christmas time, do we? Because it's not very Christmassy. It doesn't talk about shepherds and wise men and stars and things like that. But Mary's song is a response which speaks volumes about her faith. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in, my, in God my Saviour for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. In other words, I thank God. He knows, he knows the law that he gave people. He knows the precarious position that he's putting me into. He knows the, 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 the fear and trepidation I could feel and so he sent an angel to tell me. He's sent, he's sent me this, this message. He's given me the, the, the initiative to go on this journey, to go and see Elizabeth. And now before me, in Elizabeth, I see the evidence that I needed, the reassurance that I craved. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Sometimes we can, we can all have those doubts, can't we? When, we? when we have a challenge in life, when we think, I know what the Christian response should be to this situation, but I know that I'm going to be, I'm going to be mocked. I know that it's going to be difficult. I know that actually there's a much easier route to go down. I can't I just put my, my, my Christian morals to one side just for this once. Can't I just take the easy ride? God is mindful of the humble state of his servants. God knows that we all have our failings. We all get things wrong. I remember when, when I first became a dad, the very first nappy change, where I was, um, we, had, we had a home birth and it was all very lovely, but um, Joe, was, Joe was upstairs having an MOT with a midwife and um, there was a, another midwife who was downstairs with me and you could tell by the smell that, well, actually it wasn't that bad, but um, he needed a nappy change. And um, the midwife said, right, okay, have you got a, a nappy bag? I said, yeah, yeah. She said, right, have you done a nappy change before? No, nope, never. Right, okay, it's brand new for me. And I thought, yeah, I, I, I can probably work this out, you know. People have been doing it for, for, for year after year, for, for, for centuries. People, I can do this. But she said, well, look, I'll, I'll, I'll show you the first time and then, and then once I'm gone, you'll do the rest. And I thought, yeah, fine, okay. And I'm so glad that she did because um, we'd been up all night and, you know, it was tiring, it was emotional. And she had this tiny little frog-like creature that she laid out on the, on the mat and she said, right, first thing, have you got any wipes? And I said, yep. So I reached into the bag and I just pulled out a packet of wipes. Now, I hadn't packed the bag. Joe had, Joe had prepared this, this bag and um, I just thought, wipes are wipes. What I didn't realise is that I handed her and I would have used these Dettol wipes which she'd put in to clean, you know, disinfect whatever surface our newborn baby was going to lay on. I would have, I would have burnt. 
his nappy area. I would have caused him injury if I'd done that. But thankfully, there was someone there to say, look, I'll do it the first time, I'll show you, because you'll make mistakes. And I almost made a huge mistake. She said, she said that's why I said I'd, I'd do it, because if you hadn't done one before, she said, I got the impression that it wasn't you that packed the bag. She must have worked out pretty quickly that Joe wears the trousers in our household. She said, I, I could tell that you wouldn't have packed the bag. And I said, well, you're absolutely right. And she said, are there any, any other wipes in there? And sure enough, I pulled out. She said, yeah, they're the ones. Don't ever use Dettol on a newborn baby or any human being. <laughs> I said, right, okay, lesson learned. But I've always remembered that because I needed someone to be there. Because I needed someone who was mindful of my humble state. Someone who was aware that I didn't know what I was doing. Mary gives, gives thanks that God is mindful of her humble state. She says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. This wasn't an arrogant statement. This wasn't Mary saying, yeah, brilliant. This is my legacy secured. I'm going to be remembered. This is Mary being so humble, showing such humility. The mighty one has done great things for me. Again, this, 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 this pregnancy, this could have been her worst nightmare. She could have, she could have become so miserable and depressed. She could have, she could have committed suicide because she, she knew that under Jewish law, you know, rightfully she should be stoned to death. She's been brought up in a culture that tells her this is wrong. This is, this is, a, this is, this is wrong against your people, against your God. And yet she says, the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. This is almost a precursor to the Beatitudes. When Jesus says, blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, blessed are the poor. There are echoes of that in Mary's song. She recognises the, the goodness of God. The way that she speaks about God is not legalistic, it is, like this, it is not like this, 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 this great patriarch who, who insists on worship and, and threatens to, to wipe out anybody that doesn't respect and observe his law. Instead, she speaks of mercy. She speaks of humility. She speaks of glorifying his name. He's brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. Mary is such a humble worshipper. She's such a humble lady. Even if she was an early teenager, the, the maturity she shows in her response to the news that she received shows us why God chose her. I, read, um, I, read, I was reading a book for an essay that I was doing this week and one scholar suggested that Mary was born without sin, that she was, she was sinless. She had to be because she carried Jesus. But actually, I don't agree with that. For two reasons. Firstly, call me old-fashioned, but I stick to the Bible. I think we should. It's God's word. 
It's God's gift to us. But secondly, Mary did have sin. Mary was just a normal lady. She was just a normal person like you or I. God chose her because despite the fact that she had sin, despite the fact that she was as vulnerable and as needy as you or I, she was humble. She was faithful. She was aware of the the need for a personal relationship with him. When we look at Mary's response... He's brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. On this table here we've got, we've got gifts to be shared with children from the inner, inner city. Children who have impoverished backgrounds. Children who don't have much hope in life. Children who might have, might have terrible backstories and might feel like they've got a pretty grim future ahead of them. But like we said last week, God is, is a God who does not define us by our past, but instead encourages us for our future. God is a God who wants us to succeed. And so we, we may not be filling the hungry with good things, but we are, we, are, we are bringing happiness by the gifts that we give. When we support appeals like this, we bring happiness to people. We bring joy to people. But most importantly of all, we can bring God to people. Mary says he sent the rich away empty. It's one of those lines where (laughs) you can feel slightly uncomfortable. You can think, oh, right, well, um, there's an awful lot of people in the world compared to whom I'm classed as rich in in the the way the world measures it by by possessions, material goods and, and finance. But actually, that's not what this is about. In that statement, he's filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. We can have all the things in the world. The world can tell us we're rich, but if we don't don't show the richness of God, if we don't show charity and generosity, if we don't give to those in need, those who, who, who have less than we do, then we can take our wealth, we can take our material possessions, we can take all the things that the world looks on with envy and says, God, you've, you've done well, you've got a lot. We can take all that and walk away with it, empty, in the eyes of God. Mary finishes up by recognising, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers, We should never forget that God makes promises to us. He promises never to leave us, never to forsake us. He promises to look after his people. He promises that if we choose to follow Jesus, then our salvation is secure. Mary finishes her her song, her, her statement of faith there, by acknowledging that God doesn't forget these promises. God doesn't doesn't flippantly promise something and then the next day have to be reminded of it. God doesn't break his promises. Mary is a remarkable character in Scripture. She is not without sin. She is not 
above you or I. She is not um, the, the sort of the, the daughter of God, the, the one created specially to be without sin, to be pure. She was not on a par with Jesus or, or just below Jesus. We, we shouldn't pray to Mary. It's not biblical. And if we do that, then what we say is that in some way Mary was, was, was sort of, was almost godlike. It was easier for Mary. She, she had this special status. That's doing her a disservice. Mary fought the, the battles of life. She had the struggles that we struggle. She had to face the fact that her family might disown her, that she could be killed, that she could at the very best be shunned from her community that her life could be crumbling around her. She had this, this, this terrible news, but then she said, hang on, an angel's told me this. This is from God, and I'm going to believe in God. I'm going to go and see my cousin, I'm going to make sure that she believes in God. I'm going to, see if, if, I'm going to test this and see if what the angel said was true. And when she gets there, and she sees Elizabeth pregnant, she doesn't need any more reassurance, because she says, this is what the angel said. This is what my God told me. And then she breaks into this worship and praise. And so for us today, when we look at Mary, as I say, we, we shouldn't put her on a pedestal as if she was in some way above the level of you or I. Just as when we look at Jesus, although he was the son of God, we also shouldn't put him on on a pedestal above the level of you or I. Because in the book of Hebrews we read that that Jesus was tempted in every way. He was tempted in every way. (coughs) We know that he put himself in the path of temptation. He's called a, 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 a drunkard and a glutton because of the people he mixed with. He mixed with people who would have thrown the, the, the temptations of life in front of him but he didn't succumb to it. He didn't succumb. Instead, he set us the example of how to resist temptation. He set us the example of how to live good, pure lives, lives of humility and generosity, lives that show love, lives that reflect the glory of God. And Mary was chosen to have that magical, that incredible, that umbilical link to our Saviour. She was chosen to be the one that that laid him in the manger. She was chosen to be the one that that kept him warm. She was chosen to be the one that, that held him close, that fed him, that cared for him, that looked out for him, that protected him. She was chosen to be the one that taught him as he grew up, that, 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 that mopped up the blood when he fell over and cut his knees. She was chosen to be the one that made sure that he hung around with a decent group of kids and that he was educated properly and that he knew his scriptures. She was chosen to be the one that made sure that although they lived on a modest income that he didn't go without. She was chosen to be his mother. And she did a good job. And we know that Jesus always loved his mother dearly. Because he knew, just as scripture tells us, that she lifted herself above the situation of the world. She lifted herself above the the temptations and the, the law, the 
admin that can drag us down, the red tape that says that we have to do certain things. And instead she said, I trust God in this and I will honour him and I give thanks and praise to him and I humble myself. And so as we approach this Christmas time, as we finish up this morning, let's remember London City Mission. Let's remember Mary. Let's remember the the mother that Carol spoke about earlier, desperately trying to to be humble and to to set a good example to her sons. Let's remember the parents of the children who maybe have disowned them or, or, or in some way let them down. Let's remember, let's remember that God chooses us to set an example chooses us to show people like that that there is good in the world, that we can make a difference, that we can bring hope. Let's be humble. Let's give to those who need. And let's make sure that we reflect God's glory to everybody that we meet in this Christmas time. Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And thank you that the build-up to the birth of your son in Bethlehem is documented for us to read. Father, thank you for Mary. Thank you that she was just a normal person. That she felt the same emotions that we feel. That that she felt the same temptation, the same fear, the same questions... But we thank you, Lord, so much that her faith was so strong that she did the right thing by you. That she accepted what the angel told her. That she believed. Father, she too lived in a world where she would have been held to account for something she hadn't done. She would have been in danger. Father, we too live in a world where sometimes having faith is it's a dangerous game. Sometimes it's so much easier to simply be a Christian on a Sunday morning <coughs> and then leave it Monday to Friday. But Father, help us to be strong in our faith. Help us to reflect the faith of Mary, to overcome fear with faith. to resist the temptation to to run away or to hide or to deny, but instead to have the boldness to (coughs) make a statement of faith. My God is my God. Father, we thank you that we've got this opportunity to to share with London City Mission this morning. We give thanks again for for their work and for those gifts. Father, we pray that you will work in each situation that has been described to us this morning. We pray, Father, that you will encourage and and support parents who who worry for their children. We pray that you you will bless those children's futures. Give them something to hope for, something to live for. And Father, we pray that you will encourage and help us here at South Green as we worship you week after week. Help us to make a difference. Help us to remember that when we're faced with adversity, we we have a choice. We have a choice to follow you and do what's right. 
or not. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to live lives that don't let you down, that don't fail you, but instead lives that reflect your glory in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.